So I don't know about you, but I've been having a lot of abnormal responses to life lately. Um, Last week, while Susie was at girls' group, uh, women's group, I'm going to get in trouble for saying that again. While Susie was at women's group, I decided I was going to watch the live-action Lion King movie. And you know this scene? Well, if I ruin it for you, I really don't care, because you should know by now. (laughs) But there's that scene where Mufasa is... (laughs) Mufasa is... (laughs) Everybody in the room is laughing. But <laughs> there's that scene where <laughs> there's that scene where Mufasa is trying to come up from the um, the stampede, right? And as he gets to the top, Scar, his brother, grabs his hands with his claws and pushes him off and falls down and dies, and. An abnormal response is how much we're laughing about it right now. <laughs> but an abnormal response is also what I had that night. As I was sitting there by myself with the lights off watching The Lion King, I was bawling. Like, I've seen this movie a million times. I know Mufasa dies at that point. But in that moment, I was just crying my eyes out. Like, Mufasa's dead. Like, what's going to happen to Simba? Like, for some reason, it was just weird. I had all these abnormal uh, responses to that. And and the reality is I've been having a lot of abnormal responses to a lot of things lately. Maybe you have too. Maybe uh, in your life uh, you have noticed that you have been having uh, weird responses that uh, maybe your emotions are a little bit exaggerated than usual. We've all been having abnormal responses. See, what's weird is a movie doesn't usually make me cry. Susie would tell you that she's maybe seen me cry twice, maybe three times. For some reason, though, in this season of life, I've been having a lot of abnormal responses to it. So what's happening? Why are there all these emotions? Uh, Why are they so exaggerated? Why am I having all these abnormal responses to life? In the book, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl says this powerful quote, He says, an abnormal response to an abnormal situation is normal behavior. I'm going to say that again. An abnormal response to an abnormal situation is normal behavior. Let that sink in for a moment. For all of you in this room right now, let that sink in for a moment. An abnormal response to an abnormal situation is completely normal. I've got to be honest with you, that is one of the most comforting things I have heard since March 15th, since we went into this whole social, social distancing stuff. An abnormal response to an abnormal situation is normal behavior. It's one of the most uh, comforting things I've heard because I've had a lot of abnormal situations, abnormal responses, and what I've done for the most part is tell myself that I'm horrible, that I'm bad, that I shouldn't be doing those things, that I should know better, that, that I shouldn't be crying over the Lion King, that I shouldn't be getting frustrated because we're out of ice waters, like what, all these abnormal responses. I tell myself, stop doing that. You're such a bad person for doing that, Fernie. And And the reality is that when we go through an abnormal situation, having an abnormal response is completely normal. When we go through an abnormal situation, like we're going through right now, it is completely normal to have an abnormal response. 
my gut tells me that I'm not the only one who needed to hear that this week. I'm pretty convinced I'm not the only one who needed to be reminded of that this week. And that's why for the next five weeks, we're going to be doing this sermon series called Abnormal Responses. And we're going to look at how our emotions can get intensified in abnormal situations like we are right now, like a pandemic, a global pandemic, and how we can uh, journey through those and wrestle with those emotions, and most importantly, how we can be in control of our emotions rather than let our emotions be in control of us, especially during this season. So um, we're going to be diving into this for five weeks. We're going to be talking about joy, fear, sadness, disgust, and today we're going to be talking about uh, anger in particular. So uh, before we get too far, I want to say a couple of things. I think that it's important for us to define a couple of things. So I think that um, the way I define emotions, and I think it's important that we're all kind of on the same starting point. The way I define emotions is that it is how we um, respond to the world around us, right? Our emotions are how we respond to the world around us. So um, for instance, uh, if something happens, your first, uh, re- your first uh, reaction is to decide, am I going to respond with anger? Am I going to respond with sadness? Am I going to respond with fear? And we don't always get it right. A good example of that was as we started uh, going through the sermon, we all laughed at the idea of Mufasa dying, right? I mean, that was a, a, a just, it's the response that we all chose in that moment. It, it's not a right or wrong, it's just the, re- the, the emotion we pick as we uh, face life. So our emotions are just how we uh, react to life happening around us. The second thing that happens with emotions is, you know, life happens, we choose which emotion that we're going to respond with, and then we have to figure out how we're going to let that emotion manifest itself, right? So if if, uh, something happens and I choose to be angry, how angry am I going to be, right? Is it going to be just whatever, we can let it go, or is it going to be I'm going to retaliate against that person, right? So when life happens, we, we have to quickly discern what emotion are we going to respond with, and from there we go to uh, how is that emotion going to manifest itself. And what's, what's interesting about all this is when, when that happens, I mean, think about it. We all go through those three stages, right? Something happens, we, just, we pick an emotion, and then we let it manifest itself, and all of that happens within like half a second, right? We, it happens instantly. Something happens, I quickly know what, res- what emotion I'm going to respond with, and then I decide how uh, I'm going to let that emotion manifest itself. So let me give you an example. Let's pretend you're driving on I-10, okay? And somebody cuts you off. That never happens, right, Leah? That never happens in Baton Rouge. But let's pretend you're driving on I-10, somebody cuts you off. The first thing that our minds go to is, uh, without us knowing it, the first thing our minds go to is, uh, what emotion am I going to respond with, right? So somebody cuts me off. Am I going to laugh it off? Am I going to get afraid of getting back on the interstate because somebody cut me off? Right? It goes through all these emotions. If we're honest, the, the one that we, most of us would probably pick is anger. Right? We'd probably get angry when somebody cuts us off, especially if it could have caused an accident, uh, especially if uh, they cut us off and then they go slower than we were going. Um, I see a lot of nodding heads in this room because I'm sure that's happened to many of us. But... Um, So yeah, right? Life happened. Somebody cut us off. 
we picked what emotion we were going to respond with, and then we let it manifest. So maybe you're driving and somebody cuts you off, and you just, uh, you wave off, whatever, it's okay. Or maybe, and I see this happen all the time, uh, you speed up, you get right next to them, and you just stare at them right as they drive. I think Leah's done that a couple times. Or they, they've done it to her, but, right? We, we let our, we, we, life happens, we choose our emotion, and then we let it manifest. And all this happens with like half a second. I mentioned all the different emotions we're going to talk about, but today in particular, I want to talk about anger. I want to talk about anger and the control that anger can have in our lives and why it's so important uh, to learn to manifest our anger in a very strategic way, in a very smart way, uh, so that we're in control of our anger and not the other way around. So there's a, a scripture that I absolutely love that I've been reading through over and over again for the last week or so from Exodus chapter 32. And I want to read this to you. And basically, this, just to give you some background, Exodus 32 is from, uh, it's the story of the golden calf. So Moses is up on the mountain with God, and God is, um, God is telling Moses the like, rules and commandments, and, and he sends uh, Moses back to the Israelite people after 40 days with two tablets, and then this happens. Uh, wrong book. Exodus 32, not Genesis. Here we go. It says, Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain, carrying the two tablets of the covenant in his hands. Tablets that were written on both sides, written on the front and on the back. I'm going to stop here. I just think that's funny that the author felt it was important to say the tablets written on both sides, on the front and on the back, just in case we didn't know what that was. He says, The tablets were the work of God, and the writing it was the writing of God engraved upon the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound, uh, this is Moses speaking, it is not the sound made by victors or the sound made by losers. It is the sound of revelers that I hear. As soon as Moses came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets from his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made, burned it with fire, ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Yeah, wow. So this scripture, I've been reading through it a lot because there's a lot of, um, I don't know, I find a lot of humor in this, right? So the whole the tablets, two-sided tablets, front and back. Um, but then there's this part where Moses uh, comes back. The, the Israelites have created this golden calf that they've been, they're worshiping and they're throwing this big party because they have this golden calf now. And Moses is angry because uh, they should be worshiping God, right? They're the Israelites. They're the people of God. They're the children of God. They shouldn't be worshiping anybody but God. And now they have this golden calf and Moses gets angry. And it says he is so angry that he goes, he takes that calf, he burns it to ashes, takes those ashes, throws it in the water and says, drink it. And they pretty much have to because Moses is in charge right? I mean, let's be honest for a second. That's pretty messed up, right? <laughs> it's a little aggressive. Yeah, it's a little over the top. I mean, to, he, I get the whole idea of being angry, 
but to the point where his anger causes him to force people to drink this water that's full of ashes. Now, I get what he was trying to do, right? In many ways, he was trying to show them that uh, this, this golden calf that was supposed to bring them uh, hope and peace and joy and all those things they thought they would get from this golden calf, that how easy it can be destroyed, right? So much so that they can even drink it and maybe still be alive and still be okay. Like, there's all these things that you could go where he can defend himself, but, but it's just kind of messed up, right? I mean, I'm so angry that I'm going to burn something, put it in the water, and then make you drink it. See, I think when we're not careful with our anger, we can go to places like that, places of destruction, places where we react rather than respond, places where our actions hurt people and degrade people and tear people down. When we're not careful, our anger can cause a lot of brokenness, and we can uh, bring a lot of pain to people's lives. So maybe it's not about going in, uh, that far into the anger spectrum, right? Maybe it's about going the opposite way of that. So I want to keep reading in our scripture. This is from uh, Exodus 32, verse 21. Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are bent on evil. They said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us, as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we did not know what, he has, what has become of him. So I said to them, whoever has gold, take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Now, uh, at first glance, you, you kind of get the idea that maybe Aaron isn't really angry, right? Like he just responded. But I think that is the opposite spectrum of what anger looks like, right? So think about Aaron's position. While Moses is gone, Aaron's in charge. He has to make sure the Israelites stay safe. He has to, sure, he has to make sure they, they're fed, that they have water, that they have everything they need. Moses has now been gone for about uh, 40 days, it says, uh, over a month. And as he is uh, in charge, the people start getting frustrated, right? Like they start asking questions. What happened to this guy Moses? Where is he? He, he got us out of Egypt and led us to the desert and then just deserted us here, right? Where did he go? Why is he not here? Well, that, that's not fair. He's probably left us. Like, they probably have all these questions. And, and I can picture Aaron saying, like, well, I, I don't know. Aaron, Moses told me he'd be back. You're getting mad at me. Look, whatever. Let's just build that calf because I don't want you mad at me, and I'm already mad at Moses, right? So, like, there's this, there's this sense. We get this sense when we really look at the story and what's happening and what Aaron is going through that I'm pretty positive Aaron had some anger in him, too. The difference is that for him, it manifested in a way that it was more passive. That I was like, look, I know it's, this isn't good for them. I know we're not supposed to have other gods. I know that we shouldn't build a golden calf, but, but whatever. I'm tired of dealing with this stuff. See, I think the opposite end of the spectrum with anger is that it becomes very passive. We stop caring. We're angry at people, and uh, we know their actions or our actions might cause them harm, but who cares? I'm done dealing with this. Anger has this wide uh, array of emotions uh, of the ways it can manifest itself. And I think all of us tend to be on either uh, reacting the way Moses does, right? Uh, burning this calf, throwing it in the water, telling people to drink it. You know, we might not do that, but, but we all have our stories of when we've done something uh, close to that. 
And then there's also the other end where we kind of just become passive. We stop caring. We know that what we're doing can hurt people, but it's whatever. We're done. We're, de- we're done dealing with all this. But what if there's something in between those two? What if it's not just two extremes of anger? What if there's something in between the two? And if there is, how do we get there? See, I think it's the in-between that we have to strive for as Christians. I think it's the in-between that's important uh, for us to live into, and particularly with our anger. I think it's in the in-between where anger stops having control over us, and we begin to have control over it. I think it's in the in-between of these two that we can begin to use anger in a healthy way, in a constructive way, in a way that brings about life. So how do we get there? How do we get to that point? What I find very interesting in this text is that uh, Moses doesn't really turn back from his anger until after having a conversation with Aaron. Aaron doesn't really repent of his actions until having a conversation with Moses. Moses doesn't begin to stand up for the Israelites again until he has a conversation with the Israelites. Do you see the pattern here? It's having a conversation, right? What, what happens with anger is that we normally push people aside and, and we, start, we become so isolated and so independent, and it's in that isolation that anger just grows and grows and grows, and we either retaliate or just stand off. But it's in the conversations when we begin to talk to one another, when we begin to have conversations with one another, it's in the conversations that we can begin to live in that middle ground, in that middle ground where we can say, yeah, you know what, my actions were bad. You know, I can just hear Aaron saying, I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have let them do that. I'm sorry, Moses, I should have known better. When Moses stands up for the Israelites a little after the text we just read, I can just hear it in Moses' words like, man, maybe if I had trained or helped Aaron a little bit more, if I had equipped him to be a better leader, right? All of a sudden, in those conversations, they're able to uh, find that middle ground and begin to move forward from there. See, I think conversations are key in order for us to have, um, to not let anger control us. I'm going to share a story with you that uh, is not in my sermon notes. I might get in trouble for sharing this with you all. But um, I told you I've been having a lot of uh, abnormal responses to life lately. So this was a couple weeks ago. It was a Saturday. And uh, actually, no, it was a Friday and I have this bad tendency when I get up, when I wake, I'm an I'm a early morning person, so I normally get up between like 6 and 6.30, and, I, and that particular Friday, I woke up at like 6, and Susie woke up a little bit after me, and I said, hey, Susie, um, what, what are we going to do this weekend? Like, what are we going to do today? And at 6.30 in the morning, Susie was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, she really didn't want to answer that question, right? She really didn't care about that. But I kept bugging and bugging, and eventually she finally said, okay, well, we need to buy groceries we need to mow the yard. We need to clean the house. Uh, she said a couple different things that we needed to do. Um, so we got up. We went for a walk. 
We came back. I started doing all this yard work. At about 10.30, I came uh, back inside. I took a shower, and I thought, okay, we'll watch some TV. And she looked at me, and she said, why don't we go to the store right now? And my immediate response was to shut down, and I responded like this. I'm going to get in trouble for sharing this story. Like, sure, whatever. Yeah, I got in trouble for that one. <laughs> but in that moment, I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to go to the store, right? I mean, you have to understand, I have asthma, and so the idea of going to the store just like at, at 12 o'clock, where I know a lot of people have been there already, kind of like, uh, makes me really anxious and worried. And so the idea of going to the store at noon just kind of, like, it just made me really nervous, right? And so when Susie said, you want to go to the store? I was like, sure, whatever. And I just like shut down. We didn't have a conversation for the next like 15 minutes because I was so anxious that, that I just, like, I didn't even want to talk about it, and I was just being so short and so passive, and I, I was being Moses or Aaron in many ways to that conversation, right? And finally, he said, like, what's wrong? Like, why are you upset? And you know what I said? Can you guess what I said, Jake? Nothing. That's what I said. <laughs> I gave the typical guy response. Nothing. At this point, Susie knew that I was upset about something, and we just, like, I kind of ruined the whole day. It wasn't until later that day when we sat down and we talked, and she's like, what happened? And I was like, see, it just makes me really nervous to go to the store at, you know, between 11 and 12 o'clock when there's already been a lot of people, when, you know, people are on their lunch break and they're going to show up. And I was like, it just made me really nervous, and I shut down. How much different would that day have been if I had just said, you know, when Susie said, you want to go to the store? If I had just said, maybe not today right? I mean, how much more different would our day have been if I had just said, I, I'm just too nervous to go right now, Susie. Can we go tomorrow? Right? I know Susie well enough to know that she wouldn't have been upset about that. She, she probably would have said yes to that, or maybe she would have been like, I'll just go right now. It's okay. Don't worry about it, right? I mean, I, I shut down, and then shutting down, I, I kind of ruined the whole day. Conversation is so important when it comes to dealing with anger. That one simple conversation could have changed everything that day. And those simple conversations when we deal with anger, those simple conversations that we avoid, they can change everything. It's in those conversations where we're honest with one another and we say, this is why I'm struggling and this is why I did this and this is why that happened. It's in those moments of vulnerability when we have those conversations that life can begin to happen that our anger can begin to produce something beautiful. It's in those moments that we begin to have control over our anger rather than our anger have control over us. I don't know what you're going through uh, as we continue to journey through this uh, social distancing and, and this uh, global pandemic. I, I mean, I know many of you who are watching, and I know everybody in this room, but, but all of us carry some things in our hearts and our, that are just weighing us down. And if we're not careful, those things will bring out anger in a very unhealthy way in our lives. I want to invite you as, you, as you discern what those things are, as you wrestle with what those things are, I want to invite you to be in conversation with somebody. Email me, text me, call me, 
Fill out a connect card. We'll reach out to you. Fill out a prayer card. Reach out to somebody. Reach out to your friend. Reach out to your spouse. Reach out to a coworker. Reach out to somebody and say, I'm struggling with this. Here's what's happening, and I don't want this to get the best of me. And in those conversations, you will begin to see that you uh, begin to have control over your anger. I wonder what would have happened in our scripture if Moses had come down from the mountain and before grabbing that calf and throwing it in the fire, before taking those ashes and dumping them in the water, and before telling them that they had to drink it, I wonder what would have happened if he had said, what happened? What's going on? Why did you lose hope that I was coming back? Why did you start trusting this golden calf instead of me or instead of God? If he had had those conversations, maybe the whole story would have been a lot different. Whatever you're going through, I don't want you to someday say, maybe it would have been different. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today to choose to have those conversations, to be honest and open with one another, because I truly believe that in doing so, we can begin to have control over our anger. And in doing that, we're able to journey through an abnormal situation a lot easier. If anger is the abnormal situation you're going through right now, the abnormal response you're dealing with right now, remember that we are going through an abnormal situation. It is normal, it is okay to be angry. Just don't let it consume you and don't let it have control over you. Have those conversations today. Reach out to somebody. Let's take control over our anger. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I give you thanks. God, it is so uh, easy to allow anger to overcome us. And in doing so, it's so easy to cause uh, harm and um, hurt to others. God, if, if, what we're work, if what we're dealing with and struggling with today is anger, help us have conversations with those who seem to be uh, stirring that anger in our lives or uh, that naturally uh, frustrate us. Maybe it's situations, not just people. God, help us to have some conversations so that we can begin to take control of that anger. So that in doing so, we can bring about life and not destruction with our actions. God, I give you thanks. I pray this in your most precious and most glorious name. Amen.